Hi, this is Lewis Black, and uh, you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, Ida Rodriguez. No, quite a few people told me that I should do it. I was doing some guest hosting on one of on Jamie Foxx's radio station on Sirius, and the guys that were on that kept saying, you're a stand-up, you need to do stand-up, you should do stand-up. And one day I just did it. Fun chat with Ida Rodriguez. She was spending a week in Las Vegas. We talk about comedy and performing comedy in different markets and so forth. Uh, We have a song of the week coming up from Walk the Moon. They released a new single uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I forgot how much I like it until it comes on in my iTunes. And, of course, we're going to start off with a couple of dumb bits. Well, after uh, this week's events in Washington, I couldn't think of a better time for a little thing we like to call... What kind of nonsense is that? So the president, of course, uh, called a press conference in the Rose Garden uh, on Friday, February 15th. Uh, to, you know, Everybody knew it was coming. He was going to declare an emergency uh, at, with the southern border of the United States and Mexico so he could build his stupid wall. And, uh, of course, I think lost in all the uh, craziness... Uh, was a little discussion he had, a little sidetrack he had about uh, drugs in the United States. I guess he kind of a tangent, it was a kind of a tangent off of uh, the wall. But anyway, uh, he had this to say. Now, one of the things that I did with President Xi in China when I met him in Argentina went very well. But before I talked about trade, I talked about something more important. I said, listen, we have tremendous amounts of fentanyl coming into our country kills tens of thousands of people. I think far more than anybody registers. And I'd love you to declare it a lethal drug. Okay, that's not actually crazy. That sounds like a good idea if if indeed that conversation actually happened, which, you know, you never know. But anyway, so here's the uh, suggested uh, solution he has for this uh, that he said allegedly to uh, President Xi of China and put it on your criminal list. And their criminal list is much tougher than our criminal list. Their criminal list, a drug dealer gets a thing called the death penalty. Our criminal list, a drug dealer gets a thing called, how about a fine? I mean, if you're white, <laughs> actually, there are minimum sentences for uh, drug dealing and drug trafficking in the United States under federal law. Uh, three to five years is the minimum, life is the maximum. So that's completely untrue. And it gets better. And when I asked President Xi, I said, do you have a drug problem? No, no, no. I said, you have 1.4 billion people. What do you mean you have no drug problem? No, we don't have a drug problem. I said, why? Death penalty. Wait, what? That's where this is going? So let me play the rest of this for you. And then there's just so many things to examine here. So here's the rest of what he says. We give death penalty to people that sell drugs. Yes, most honorable President Trump, we give death penalty to drug trafficker. Uh, first, uh, again, this conversation probably never took place, one. Two, uh, it's unclear whether President Xi speaks English. He probably does. And if he does, though, I'm sure it didn't sound like that. So that's one. Two, 
this guy is proposing that we put uh, people convicted of drug offenses in this country to death. Um, you know who else President Xi puts to death in China? Uh, anyone that disagrees with him? So I guess that's kind of attractive to our president because he could jail any of his opponents too. Uh, you disagree? Sean Patton was on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, and he was talking about doing comedy in China. And he says, you know, people here say we're losing free speech. Well, we're not because if you say anything bad about the government in China, people overhearing you will turn you in. And, you know, you'll get thrown in jail. And that actually happens there. So, yeah, death penalties for uh, drug offenders? Why stop there? Why not death penalty for so-called fake news? Goodness gracious. What kind of nonsense is that? Ida Rodriguez is a stand-up comedian born in Boston but raised in the Dominican Republic and then Miami, Florida. Here now is our interview with Ida Rodriguez. Is Ida? Yeah, I am so sorry. Oh, that's okay. I, I'm in Vegas and um, oh, I'm all over the place because they have me doing all these different podcasts uh, to promote the seller. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. Hey, do you mind if we use the uh, audio for this on my podcast, actually? Because uh, lately it's been kind of a sausage fest, and we like to have a lady on. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, well, I remember you from Last Comic Standing, and I've you know I've seen you on the, the TV and stuff, although you haven't been to any of the markets I write for, which is basically just uh, Minnesota and Cincinnati, uh, mostly. But um, So you said you're in Vegas promoting what now? I'm at the Comedy Cellar. Okay. Yeah, so um, at the Comedy Cellar, so we have to do the show because the show is all week long. So we have to do shows promoting it throughout the week. And which resort is the Comedy Cellar in? I forget. In the, at the Rio. Rio, okay. Yeah, I like the Rio. I stayed there a couple years ago. Yeah. Walked over the freeway, walked down In-N-Out Burger twice. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I'm a big In-N-Out Burger fan, so... That was a big treat. So, uh, well, let's go backwards. If um, if the internet tells me correctly, you were born in Boston, but you didn't live there very long, eh? No, I moved to the Dominican Republic with my parents because my father was not uh, a documented citizen, so we we went back to the Dominican Republic with him. Okay, and uh, and I heard you say in your stand-up though that you're also are you also Puerto Rican? So was mom Puerto Rican? Well, I am my mom is Puerto Rican. Okay. Raised by my mom, but my dad, my biological father, is Dominican. Okay. And uh, he wasn't in my life my, my entire life uh, because he was an immigrant. I came back to the United States with my mom. Okay. Um, so that I could have a better life. Okay. And uh, I used to be uh, a model as well. Uh, was that kind of the path in college? I know you went to uh, university, but was what was the kind of the career trajectory? Did this thing just kind of happen? When I was in high school, um, I was really, I've always been very tall, so um, I, they came for me when I was in high school. I, um, I actually didn't like it. Uh, I, I enjoyed it to some degree, but it just wasn't for me. Um, I got really sick. I got tired of being hungry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was always the goofball, so I was really excited about um, comedy. And my mom told me recently that I've always been 
I used to grab uh, the broomstick and be the entertainment in our house. Okay. So she said I've always done that. And um, so, yeah, I, I uh, finally came back with my first love. Okay. What was finally the the, the push, you know, out of modeling and to, to go try stand-up? I mean, did you tell anybody you were going to try it, or did you just think, hmm, maybe I'll just have a go at this and see what happens? Um, no, quite a few people told me that I should do it. I was uh, guest, uh, doing some guest hosting on one of on Jamie Foxx's um, radio station on Sirius, and the guys that were on that kept saying, you're a stand-up. You need to do stand-up. You should do stand-up. And one day I just did it. Uh, Chris Spencer, who was also um, a pretty successful comedian, was the one that told me where to go. He was like, you need to go to these places. They got open mics. You can try out your jokes there. Then you start building your set. And then little by little, I just, um, once I went, I kept going back. I never stopped, and I'm still here. Well, there you go. Now, um, uh, Crystal Alonzo was on my friend Jimmy Pardo's podcast, and she was complaining that journalists always only ever want to ask her about like Spanish speaking stuff. So I hate okay. to be, I hate to be that guy, but I am curious because Carmen Lynch has been on the show, and we had this discussion uh, organically. Uh, do you perform in Spanish ever? And if you do, is it different than your uh, English speaking set? I do speak. Uh, I do perform. I have performed in Spanish. I haven't been practicing of it, um, practicing it lately because. I've been really busy, and that market is a bit underdeveloped. Um, but, yeah, you know, the jokes translate. Um, you have to write some jokes that are specifically in that sensibility. And then, you know, the, the tone of who I am is who I am. So I, I never change that. But my stand-up, uh, I do well in Spanish as well. I, I have a good time. Uh, it doesn't bother me that people ask me about it. I'm very proud of my heritage, and um, I'm proud of the fact that I can speak two languages and be funny in two languages. And I'm I'm glad that I can reach a group of people that others can't reach because there are a lot of people who are, don't have a good grasp on the English language who want to laugh too. It's interesting because uh, Carmen was saying that uh, she uh, her set is often quite different in Spanish, and then even within Spanish countries that she's gone to, it can be different because it never occurred to me that there's different kinds of Spanish all over the world. There's like there's all kinds of different English, and, and Des Bishop kind of said the same thing when he's here uh, in this country, even though he's American, he's kind of the Irish guy in America, even though he was born here, and when over in England and over in England, Britain, he's the uh, American guy who knows a lot about Ireland. So it's it's really interesting how that kind of stuff develops. Yeah, that's that's a, that's pretty much how it works. When you grow up in the in the states, um, the people who grow up in the countries that you're, you know, your heritage where your heritage lies, they do perceive you differently because we have been Americanized. Um, Carmen Lich is from Spain, right? Correct. Yeah, her, her, I think her yeah, mom yeah, is Spanish. Yeah, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I work with her in New York. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's different, you know. And for her, that must be a different there because she's also considered European. Yes. Um, not necessarily Latina, but more Hispanic because they speak Spanish. So, so many dynamics in this whole thing when you, you know, when you go out and do uh, comedy. But I do think that they, they don't hold America against you, but they do classify you differently because in America, you know, we're perceived to be... They call it privileged, I call it blessed, you know, and they see us as, um, you know, people who have opportunities that they they can only dream of. So yeah. 
I do think that at times um, they do look at us differently. And it is different because we grow up with an American experience. And, and to kind of bring this back full circle, of course, uh, most of your set isn't really about uh, your culture. It's, it's about being uh, it's dating and it's uh, what other things were there that I was watching, um, you know, just kind of just life in general and uh, being a single mom and, uh, and, and all that other stuff. Yeah, I just think about uh, people when I write jokes. Um, and, um, you know, I love my heritage. And one of the things that is important to me is that people know that we're human beings. We're not like, you know, giraffes because people are like, tell the Latino jokes. Well, Latino people, um, all people, Irish people, French people, all worry about the same thing. You know, we want to be safe. We want our children to be safe. We want to have be able to go to the doctor, want to be able to eat and want to work and get paid a living wage. So when people start talking about the things that make us different, which, you know, I don't I don't like to focus on things that make us different. I do highlight what makes us unique because culturally we have a culture that I like to respect and I like to, you know, honor. But at the same time, I still like to connect human beings and experiences because I believe not to a stand-up is about for me. So for me, I it's important not to just focus on the difference between white people and black people and brown people. I really like to talk about the things that we all have in common that, uh, you know, we have enough stuff dividing us right now. I'd like to focus on bringing us together. True. And it's funny you should say uh, you do French people in there. Like, I'm half French. And if, you know, a lot of that stuff has been done, if you can bring a new take on it that's wonderful yeah. but all the surrender jokes and the smelly jokes and all the and the cheese jokes those have all been done you know similarly yeah. with all the hispanic yeah it's all been done unless you can really come up and put a different spin on it uh i'm not interested <laughs> yeah and all it does is dehumanizes the people who are on the outside and uh kind of uh it car- makes us cartoons and caricatures which contributes to the way that people who don't have respect for others treat us Whereas we humanize ourselves and we focus on showing people that we're just like everybody else, um, you know, that most of us don't want to come here to commit crimes or exploit the system or take advantage of others, that we are people just like everybody else, it contributes to a positive view of others as opposed to perpetuating the stuff that's problematic. Yeah, and, and when you were born here, and you so you are an American, so it's not even like a, a debate yeah. about that. Yeah, which um, people tend to forget sometimes uh, overall. Yeah. But uh, uh, so <laughs> thank you for remembering. Yes. So do, um, do you have a lot of turnover in your material? Are you constantly writing new stuff, or is it you know just polishing the, the the old stuff and finding new ways to make that funny? Kind of what, what's that process kind of like? Well, for me, um, I I have been doing some jokes that have been very important for my voice for a while but it's because I don't have um, you know the notoriety and the fame that some comedians have or the television exposure so for me it's like um, working an album whereas if you know nobody went to the thriller Michael Jackson thriller concert and told him to sing another song I think people don't really know that about don't understand that about comedians is that we're not a jukebox that is our album that we're playing but I do try to stay fresh and write. I like to write a lot about current events, um, just to stay on key with what's going on in the world, as well as new takes on what, where I am in my life and my evolution as a human, because where I was 10 years ago is definitely not where I am today. 
Um, so, yeah, I like to do all of that stuff. But I love writing, and I think writing is important for comedians because it lets people know that you care and that you're not lazy and that you want to make sure that, that you give your audiences a fresh experience. So I'm working on a whole new set right now. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Do you have any other like uh, outlets for your writing that, uh, or is it dev- devoted mostly to stand up at this point? Oh, no, no, no. I write a, um, I'm actually working on uh, some television stuff that, uh, you know, I'm very excited about with some great writers. Um, working on, uh, I wrote a, an album. I'm working on a book. So it, it's constant. Oh, that's cool. It's, yeah. And I was going to say before that, um, and we've, I've heard this from other guys and gals, is that the nice thing about you know getting older and as you move on is that you have all the, like so you have all this experience behind you. It's like when you're 20, it's, uh, it's partying and drinking and and going yeah. on dates, and then and that's it. And then but once you get older, you have this but wealth of experience. You can not only relate to the kids because you still you know what it was like to party and be like that, but now you have all this other stuff that you can talk about too with the rest of us old folks. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny that the definition of old folks has changed so dramatically that, you know, back in the day we were referred to people as old when they were in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and now we do it to people in their 30s and 40s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm, I'm, 50, very... I'm 52, and I, I'm, I always call myself an old folk. Although I've always been kind of old at heart, I think, too, is probably the problem there as well. But... um so, so how are you enjoying Vegas? Do you get to have much fun when you're there? You're there for a whole week. I mean, that's... Oh. Um, I, I'm at the Comedy Cellar in Las Vegas at the Rio. And um, it's, it's actually pretty cool because the, the Comedy Cellar has a already built-in following of people who come out and really enjoy comedy. And they come from all over the world. So it's really fun. So let me ask you this: Would you uh, ever fancy a residency like uh, Penn and Teller have there, or um, or some of the other folks? I'm trying to think who else is is out there. Um, oh, quite a few people. Eddie Griffith. Uh, so yeah, I would love to. I mean, I would never, I never turn my nose up at anything because I think that every experience that I've had in comedy has all contributed to make me a better comedian. So I, I, I would love to be anywhere. I, I just did a cruise ship, which. A lot of my um, peers would scoff at, and I, I had the time in my life. <laughs> I think that, but I think that's being looked at more positively now because a lot of people are, are doing the boats, as they say. If uh, mm-hmm. if only just just part time. A friend of a friend of mine, Mike Siegel, does them a lot. He gets to go to Europe. And yep. uh, you only have to perform a little bit. I mean, you do have to you know, keep it clean. But other than that, um, you know, it's it sounds it sounds like now other people do hate it. Chris Porter told me that uh, his quarters on the ship were like one step above a white collar prison. And yeah. he hated it. So it's, I guess it's just I guess it just all depends. Um, as a civilian, I mean, I think a cruise is nice. Uh, it might be good to as a, a performance thing. You think you'll do any more? Oh, yeah, I think I would. It, it exercises a different muscle, and it's good to be able to go out and work please. Um, you know, I just think that it's it's important to be able to, you know, exercise the muscles and to remember that you're doing stand-up for an audience, not for yourself. And you do it for yourself quite naturally as an artist, but... As a performer, you got to remember that those people are, you know, are in the audience, and that you got to be able to be versatile and be able to, without compromising who you are. I think that's important, and I think it's valuable. It really enriches your uh, your experience as a comic. 
And they did come to a comedy show, so who knows? Maybe when they're back home, they'll be like, wow, the comedy show was fun on the ship. Maybe we'll go to the local comedy club and, you know, right. and promote the uh, and pr- promote the uh, the art, uh, as it were. Now, you've done some acting as well, uh, I noticed. Are you, st- are you still pursuing that, or is there just no time for that with your busy schedule? No, no, I am. I'm actually getting ready for an audition right now. I'm doing these two uh, interviews for the seller, and then I'm going to do work on an audition that I have. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, is that a thing you think you might want to pursue more of in the future, or is it just kind of a thing that's, you know, nice, nice supplement to the stand-up? No, I mean, I started acting um, when I was relatively young, so I love it. Um, but for me, it's more about, it has to be right. It's not just about being, uh, you know, I'm not driven by the beast of just being seen. It has to be stuff that makes sense for me. Is there kind of a, a dream type of role you'd like to do? Maybe a, a historic adventure or maybe a cop role, anything like that? Or is it like just something that's interesting? I like dramatic stuff. Um, but my dream is to play my mom on screen because my mom is the funniest and most dramatic person I know on the planet. <laughs> Oh wow! So and I, I take it she's a big influence on your comedy as well. Yeah, she is, and um, I'm actually writing something about her right now. So yeah, I would love to play her. Oh, that would make she sense. Would, she would get me an Oscar. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and does she know that she's being written about? All the time. Oh, okay. So does she like have suggestions for you and think? Hey, do you remember when? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, she does. She does oh. get a uh, Everyone in my life who is on stage, it, it is with their consent. I don't talk about anyone without consulting with them because I, it's their life as well. So they all participate in a fun. They give me tags. Sometimes they don't know what they're doing, and sometimes they do. But do, yeah, do you have people giving you advice? Like, cause I know most comedians say that they get advice, and like you know, ninety nine times out of hundred, it's awful. And maybe one time, you know, their friend or family be like, yeah, they do actually have a good tag for that. I mean, is, does your family and friends have a pretty good batting average in that? No, no. I like to make them feel like they do. Oh, that's cool. Well, because you never know. I mean, just as a comedian, you know, you've got to dig through. I was, I teach a, a comedy writing class for young people, and uh, you know, I, I tell them we sit for a class in two hours on a Saturday morning. I say, look, this isn't the ideal environment to be writing jokes. And the one kid came up with one that was really funny, and the rest were okay. And he was kind of discouraged. I'm like, dude, you've done what most comedians do in a week. You got the one joke you need. Most comedians write right. for a whole week. If you get one joke, they've accomplished a lot. And it was, I can't remember what the joke was now, but it was really funny. And I was really proud of him. So, um, yeah, you got to dig through that gold, dig through the dirt to get to that gold. I am. I just walked into another interview. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I know you're busy and you you got a million things to do. So I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i let you go now. Enjoy Vegas. Grab an In-N-Out burger for me and have fun up thank in Minneapolis, you. okay? And hope we'll see you in Cincinnati sometime yeah. soon. Thanks, Ada. Okay. No, thank you. Have a right. great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Ida Rodriguez for being on the show. You can catch Ida, uh, let me see here, February 21st through the 23rd at Jokers in Richland, Washington. Then she's at the House of Comedy in Minneapolis, February 28th through March 3rd. So we're up to the song of the week now. It's from Walk the Moon, and I keep forgetting about this tune as song of the week. came out in January. It's called Time Bomb, and uh, it is just a standalone single at this point. There's no word on uh, whether the boys are making a new album. You may know Walk the Moon from uh, their alternative hit, Anna Sun, and then, of course, the big uh, top 
10 hit worldwide Shut Up and Dance. It's always weird to me that Shut Up and Dance gets so recognized, and I think Anna Sun is just as recognizable, but it only got to, let me see, 82 in the UK and did not chart in the US except on the alternative chart, but uh, on the main chart, it uh, did not go anywhere. And I think a lot of great tunes. Uh, this one is really nice. Um, it's a kind of bouncy little jaunty tune, and hopefully it uh, it's kind of indicative of what the album is going to be like. I'm not sure how much work they're going to be getting done on the album or if they're just getting it mixed down now. They're going to be opening for Muse on Muse's tour of North America this coming summer. So hopefully we will have an album out uh, in advance of that for them to tour behind. So anyway, here now is our song of the week from Walk the Moon. It's Time Bomb, PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Every night, every day, ten times out of nine, I'm a hand grenade. I don't want to push you away, but I'm warning you, babe. Send a green light, no serenade. It's a red flag before the May Day. Check all of my signs, keep away. I'm warning you, babe. I'm to light the fuse again. Start a fire and lose a friend. Close, pulling me in, I'm afraid I'm-